This is recording number 10751 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the fourth message in the Embracing Your Destiny series by Randy Bolt. It was recorded on Sunday morning, February 24, 2008. This message is titled, Consider Caleb. We're going to conclude today a series of messages that we've been involved in over the last several weeks, making our way through this book, the book of Joshua, on the theme, looking at it uh, on the theme of embracing your destiny. This book, the book of Joshua, is in the Bible to show us how a group of people could actually live in the place of their destiny, the promises and plans for, uh, that God had for them. Instead of just sitting on the border content to know it's out there somewhere. Or uh, being convinced that somebody has a destiny and being satisfied with that. Or postponing it and thinking, well, someday we'll get around to actually living out our destiny. The book of Joshua is there in the Bible to show us how the God who had plans for your life was recording his plans for your life when you were in your mother's womb, being fashioned in your mother's womb, that that, how that God wants for you to know and how you can actually uh, experience um, what he wants for you to know, which is how to live in that place of his destined purposes for your life. So that's what we've been studying. We've talked about how embracing your destiny means to face your future, to chart your course, to surrender self, persist and persevere, to prize purity. Last week we talked about how embracing your destiny means to fail forward. And today we're going to talk about how embracing your destiny means to consider Caleb. (laughs) And I know that title sounds a little funky. What is that? Caleb is a man, and so we're going to talk about his life and the example that the scriptures give us uh, through his life. So as I asked you to uh, turn to Joshua chapter 14, we're going to be reading verses 6 through 14 in just a minute. A few weeks ago, I stopped into McDonald's for a quick lunch, and when the cashier told me the amount due, I was certain uh, that I owed her more than that. She told me a number that was less than I was expecting. And so I pointed out to her um, that, uh, you know, I wanted to pay her what was due. But with a matter-of-fact tone, she uttered the words I never expected to hear in my lifetime applied to me. Senior discount. (laughs) What are you applauding for? I wanted to shout, stomp my feet, pound my fists, and adamantly state for the record that I was most definitely not a senior. I still have a couple of years left. (laughs) I wanted her to understand that she had no right to just arbitrarily decide to rob me of the privilege of paying full price. (laughs) But what can I realistically do in that situation? Was I really going to stand there and plead the case for why it was important for this establishment to aid me in clinging to every last moment of my middle age? So before I made a complete fool of myself, I stepped aside to allow the next person in line to come forward 
and buy their lunch at the youthful, vital, virile, and hip and cool person's price. (laughs) And as I shuffled uh, uh, over to pick up my order, I felt as though I had just taken my first step toward irrelevance. So maybe that's why the story of Caleb resonates with me so strongly. But I think that no matter who you are or what stage of your life you're in, that he provides for all of us a powerful example of how to live life, how to live life in our destiny through all its seasons. Now let's read Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to, Ju- to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said. These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses uh, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Would you uh, say those words with me, those four words? Give me this mountain. Let's say it one more time. Give me this mountain. Of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. And that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. This passage begins after the Israelites have triumphed over the majority of the kingdoms that had held sway over Palestine. And Joshua is in the process of dividing up the land of promise among the tribes. When it came time for the tribe of Judah to receive its inheritance, Caleb stepped forward and said to Joshua, those words I asked you to repeat with me, give me this mountain. Now, before we take a closer look, here's the backstory. The Jews had come to the threshold of their destiny once before, 45 years earlier. After a relatively brief journey from the desert, uh, from Egypt through the desert to um, the the, uh, Jordan River, the eastern side of the Jordan River, uh, Moses sent spies, one from each of the 12 tribes, so 12 spies, he sent them across the Jordan into Palestine to gather intelligence regarding what they would face once the whole bunch of them crossed over. 
And after completing their mission, they reported back to Moses in front of all of the people and described that the land was everything the Lord had promised and more. However, ten of the spies went on to announce it was their opinion that it would be impossible for them to displace the current occupants. Because Palestine was inhabited. And the ten spies had come back to say, yeah, it's a wonderful place, but there's people there. And we're not going to be able to dispel them. They went on to describe the massive fortified cities, the strength of the established militaries, and the fact that a fearsome race of people called the Anakim lived there. These people were described as giants because of their physical size and natural strength. However, there, the other two spies, that was the report of the ten. There were two other spies. One was Joshua and one was Caleb. They resisted the, the majority view and vehemently declared their confidence that the Lord was more than able to give them victory over these adversaries. Nevertheless, the people wouldn't listen to Joshua and Caleb. And their hearts melted with fear as they embraced the report of the other spies. That resulted in God passing judgment on the people and declaring that Israel would be forced to wander in the desert until the entire adult generation that was present on that day died off, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. The promised land would be given to their children. But God made a specific promise to Caleb that one day he would inherit the territory that he personally had spied out, Hebron. That was where uh, Caleb apparently uh, had his uh, uh, intelligence collecting duties. And that, Hebron, was the home of these um, fierce, feared people, the Anakim. So here in Joshua 14, Caleb stepped forward to lay claim to that promise. He was 85 years old now. But with a clear-eyed, pulse-pounding passion, he announced his readiness to confront those giants and embrace his destiny. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that you can derail your own destiny by disobeying God. Or by falling prey to satanic deception. We talked all about that last week. But Caleb faced a situation where even though he had done everything right, it appeared that the actions and choices of others would prevent him from experiencing the plans of God for his life. Many of us face the same challenge when it appears that someone or something outside our control is preventing us from experiencing all that God has in mind for us. It may come in the form of the short-sightedness, unbelief, or even cruelty of others. For instance, there are those who feel trapped in marriages where their spouses are holding them back. There are those who are frustrated because no matter what they do, they can't seem to get their employer to recognize their potential. And there are those who feel like damaged goods because of how their lives were misshaped in dysfunctional families or by the abuse they've sustained in relationships that should have been loving but weren't. 
Now, the external conditions that seem to be threatening your destiny may also come in the form of adverse circumstances. For instance, many people feel that their futures are limited because they don't have the same social, political, or educational opportunities as others. You know, some people grow up thinking, well, we didn't have a big enough bank account. Oh, I didn't have the same opportunities to go to college as someone else. Or, you know, uh, my dad didn't know the right people so I could get the right job. Or, you know, these kinds of circumstances that seem to hold us back. But Caleb stared down the very worst hand that life and hell can deal a person. Forty-five years of waiting because of the fear and faithlessness of others. And yet, he found God to be ultimately faithful. Another thing that was true of Caleb and his men as an example to us is that he chose not to allow disappointment to loosen his grip on God's promises. You hold in your hand or in your lap right now an entire book of the general promises, containing the general promises of God, promises for every one of us. There are thousands of them. In addition to that, all of us have experienced times when we sense the Lord whispering personal words of promise to our hearts about His intentions for us. But when we face those disappointing seasons when things don't seem to be unfolding according to plan, we're tempted to let go of those promises. And that is a huge mistake. The Bible says God watches over His Word to perform it, to make sure that it comes to pass in every detail. And He can be trusted to do so even when His schedule is different than ours. You know what I mean? Now Caleb lived his life with both hands in a white-knuckled grip around the promises of God. The last thing I want you to consider with me this morning about this man is that he refused to grow old looking back. As he stood before Joshua on this occasion. He said that he was as strong that day at the age of 85 as he had been at age 40 when he was first sent out by Moses to spy out the land. Now, I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but I know he thought he was. And that is significant. How many 85-year-old guys you know think that they're as strong and vibrant as they were when they were 40. Joshua, I mean, Caleb did. And he declared that the Lord had kept him alive all those years. Now, the Hebrew word that's used in that uh, passage for kept me alive is a word that can be used either literally or figuratively. And in this case... It seems that both meanings are implied. That God had both preserved him physically and vitally. You become old when you spend more time looking back 
than looking forward. Let me say it again. You become old. At whatever, at whatever age you are, you become old when you spend more time looking back than looking forward. And Caleb just wouldn't let himself go there. He would not allow himself to wither out, wear out, or rot out. He refused to grow old looking back with regret. And he could have. He refused to grow old looking back with bitterness. Boy, he could have nursed that for 45 years. But he didn't. He refused to grow old by following the Lord. By following the Lord. Three times in this passage we read, these few verses, we have read three times that Caleb wholly followed the Lord. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Completely, with all of his heart. He wholly followed the Lord. Now what does that mean? Well, it means he hadn't spent the last 45 years with his hands in his pocket just waiting out the clock. He wasn't checking the obituaries every day trying to guess how much longer it would take for the rest of his generation to die off. It means he found ways every day to embrace his destiny. He didn't waste his time whining about what might have been. He filled his thoughts with what could be. And I want to live like he did until my final breath. Don't you? We can, you know. That's why this story is in the Bible. God is calling to us. Inviting each one of us to experience our own incredible story of destiny. Right now. Right now. He's calling you and he's calling to me. Inviting us into a grand story. Have you ever felt that your story, your destiny was sabotaged or at least placed on indefinite hold because of the actions of others or the obstacles you've encountered? On the basis of Caleb's example, please hear the voice of God right now asking you to reconsider that conclusion. The Bible says the 85-year-old man that left Joshua's presence that day, and I, I picture him with a sparkle in his eye and a spring in his step. He's an 85-year-old man, but a sparkle in his eye, a spring in his step, and a grin from ear to ear. He left Joshua's presence that day, headed straight for his mountain, Hebron. He located the biggest bunch of giants he could find, and he sent them packing. This is not Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, some mythological, this, this was the real deal. And you know what? The story doesn't end there. While the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness for those 40 years so that that 
unbelieving generation could die off. The Lord gave them instructions about how they were con- to conduct their national, national life once they actually came to dwell in Palestine. And one of the things he told them to do was to establish six cities of refuge where people who accidentally or unintentionally killed someone could find asylum and be kept safe from any of the victim's family members that were trying to execute uh, vigilante justice. Six cities of refuge. If you skip ahead and read Joshua chapter 20, when, where, Joshua, where it's recorded that Joshua uh, is establishing those six cities, Hebron was one that was chosen. Hebron, this place, Caleb's place, Caleb's mountain, was one of those cities. And I just think it's amazing that the very place that it seems so scary, it had paralyzed a whole generation of people with fear had been transformed into a city of safety by an old man who would not let go of his destiny. 